page 180. Luke. I didn't think it would be as difficult going to see Mr. Terrapt the second time. I knew what to expect. I was wrong. Seeing Mr. Terrapt in that bed again wasn't any easier. I thought he would look better. I thought he was improving. But he still looked the same, still just lying there in his bed, surrounded by the same beeps and tubes and monitors and noises from the hall. It was all just the same. I felt the lump in my throat growing. Mom's hand touched my shoulder. She saw it happening too. I stood at the side of my teacher's bed in a state of disbelief, feeling helpless. Then the doctor walked in. At least I figured he was the doctor. He had salt and pepper hair, a white coat, and a smart face. He nodded to us and then moved towards Mr. Terrapt. He checked some numbers and fluids, pulled back Mr. Terrapt's eyelids to look at his pupils with his pen light, and then started to leave. Wait, I said, wait. He stopped and turned around. Are you Mr. Terrapt's doctor, I ask? Yes, I'm Dr. Wilson. Wilkins, one of the physicians. Is Mr. Terrapt going to get better? I saw him take a big breath. He looked at my mother first and then me. I don't know, son. What's wrong with him? He's in a coma, but what's wrong with him? Dr. Wilkins pulled some chairs over for all of us to sit in, and he sat across from me. Mr. Terrapt did a lot of wrestling while growing up, and even into college, he started to explain. It turns up he had to give it up because he t suffered multiple concussions along the way. Those concussions have weakened his brain in certain regions. The snowball that was thrown hit one of the weaker areas, called the temporal, dollar word, region, to be exact, and it cracked his skull. Dr. Wilkins looked very sorry as he said this. I don't know if he expected questions, but I had them. Does that mean Mr. Terrapt wouldn't be in a coma if he hadn't suffered the multiple concussions, I asked? I can't say for sure, but probably not, said the doctor. What do you, you know? What do you do now? Just wait? Dr. Wilson Wilkins took another big breath. I got the sense there was more to the equation. More bad news, or news he was hoping not to share. He glanced at my mother, who nodded, giving him the okay to explain. I didn't want a sugar-coated report. I wanted the facts, and my mom knew that. Mr. Terrapt has some bleeding going on behind this crack, and the blood is collecting, a dollar word, in his brain. We hoped it would stop, but it hasn't. He'll need to undergo brain surgery so we can clamp the bleeding vessels. And then he'll be okay? If it works, hopefully yes. I heard the word if loud and clear. And if it doesn't, I said? Brain surgery is risky. There's always the chance that, per that the patient won't recover. You mean die, I said. Mom put her arm around me. What's your name, son? Luke. Yes, Luke, your teacher could die during or as a result of this surgery, but I'm going to do my very best not to let that happen. I got up and stood by Mr. Terrapt's bed. I looked at him. Dr. Wilkins got up and stood next to me. He's a pretty, pretty special teacher, isn't he? The doc said. I could only nod. Speaking would have made me cry like a baby. I'll do my best, Luke, the doctor said. That much I can promise. He squeezed my shoulder and left the room. Brain surgery, I thought. Mr. Terrapt might never come back. I ran out into the hall. Dr. Wilkins, I yelled. He turned around. Does anyone else in my class know what you told me? Dr. Wilkins walked back toward me. We didn't know anything about his concussions at first, he said, but another teacher, Ms. Newberry, was able to provide us with Mr. Terrapt's background information. I guess Mr. Terrapt had told her about his wrestling days, and it's a good thing because we have no other contact person for him. I stood there. No other person? There was nobody for Mr. Terrapt. But to answer your question, there is another student in your class who knows what I told you, Dr. Wilkins said. Who? I think his name was Peter. I was silent. Peter? I didn't think Peter had been here. Dr. Wilkins turned to leave. Wait, I said. Does Peter know about the concussions or just that the brain surgery is next? Just about the brain surgery. Why do you ask? Because Peter threw the snowball. April.
Jessica, Act 10, Scene 1. Mrs. Williams assumed responsibilities as our teacher. She recognized and acknowledged our huge mess and that our feelings, despite our just being fifth graders, were very real. I respected Mrs. Williams for her courageous act, but it didn't change a thing. Mr. Terrip still lay motionless inside the vast whiteness and beeping of that building. Our classroom remained as lifeless as our teacher. We needed Mr. Terrip back. Things happen for a reason. That's what I told Jeffrey. Did I believe that? Sometimes. What were the reasons for my dad leaving us? I haven't figured that out yet. And what are the reasons for Mr. Terrip's predicament? I've decided they're different for everyone, and maybe not there at all for others. I see the reason for Alexia now. Without this accident, I'm not sure she would have made it back as my friend. Without this accident, I bet Danielle never would have made it over to Anna's house. But what about someone like Luke or Jeffrey? I don't see any reason for either one of them, and I can't find a reason for me. Luke. The classroom persisted in secreting, dollar word, unbroken, dollar word, quietness. I stayed quiet too, even though I had a lot bottled up inside me about Mr. Terrip's brain surgery. Peter knew about it, but he didn't have all the details. I know he blames himself. You can see it. Ever since the accident, he walks around like a mummy. He should be blaming himself. He threw the snowball. But if it had hit anyone other than Mr. Terrapt, I don't think we'd be experiencing a tragedy like this. That's what Peter needs to know. It doesn't make everything all better, but it might help to ease his pain. I can't tell him, though. No one is talking to him. But that's not why I don't want to talk to him. I don't want... To find out, I don't want to find out why he threw that snowball. Danielle. It was springtime. I sat on the front porch with Grandma after church. She drank her coffee, black because she's tough, and I sipped some iced tea, unsweetened because I hope to be tough like her. I love these moments with Grandma. There's nothing like a New England spring, Danielle, she said. You endure the harsh winter, and because of that, you learn how to really appreciate the new season. I knew what she was talking about. The snow had melted and the birds had flown back, singing and praising. Flowers popped up and buds appeared. The animals on the farm acted frisky. Time to rejoice. But I couldn't. And Grandma noticed. I'll bet you in other parts of this country where there's no real winter, people miss out on spring, Grandma said. That's just a shame. I nodded. This spring was different, though. My teacher still slept, and this weighed on me and sucked the happiness out of everything. I felt like I was still in my winter slumber. Danielle, let's pray. I bowed my head and closed my eyes. I figured Grandma was going to thank our God for the beautiful weather and the gift of spring. That would have been fine, but she took me by surprise. Dear God, Mr. Terrapt needs you. Now, I don't understand teachers these days, but what I've come to realize is that this Mr. Terrapt is as good as they come. I've seen how he has touched my granddaughter and her friends. He's special. You don't need him up there yet, so make sure you give him back to us real soon. Amen. Grandma had understood the important stuff. Her prayer made me feel better. I always feel better with Grandma on my side, even if she's telling God what to do. Thank you, Grandma, I said. I love you. I love you too, sweetie, and I'll keep praying for him. I stayed in my winter slumber even after Grandma's prayer, but then, unexpectedly, I startled awake. Not because of encouraging signs from Mr. Terrapt, but because of Anna's shocking news. Anna. I pumped my legs back and forth on the swings. I needed to get some momentum going so that I wasn't sitting with my feet dangling in the puddle below me. Danielle, Jessica, and Lexi sat on swings, too. Danielle right next to me. It was nice to be outside for recess again now that the snow was gone. Charlie was at my house when I got home from school yesterday, I said. Danielle's pumping stopped. Mom told me they were just sharing a cup of coffee and some conversation. Danielle pumped slowly again, but she still didn't say anything. If Charlie marries my mom, what would that make us, I went on. Sisters. Danielle put her feet down and hopped off her swing. She turned to face me. My pumping slowed. 
Was something wrong? She looked right at me. Anna, Charlie will never marry your mother, Danielle said. My family would never allow it. I stopped my swing. Jessica and Lexi stopped theirs too. Why, I asked. My family, Danielle started to say. Then her chin and voice lowered. My family doesn't approve of your mother. I felt like I'd just got run over by Charlie's red truck. My whole body grew weak. But my mom's a good person, I said. I know, Danielle said. She scuffed the mud with her foot, but it's not that easy. If it weren't for Mr. Terrap's accident, I don't think I ever would have been allowed to go over to your house. I learned something that day. Even after all this time, my mom was still ostracized for something that happened that long ago. And because I had contributed to Mr. Terrap's accident, I was going to pay for it the rest of my life. Jessica, Act 10, Scene 2. I discovered another reason for Mr. Terrap's predicament the day Anna, Danielle, and I were on the swings. A reason bigger than simply getting Danielle over to Anna's house. That was only a start. Just like Mr. Terrap had helped Lexi reunite with Anna, Danielle, and me, I had to wonder if maybe Mr. Terrap's accident was going to help Danielle's family except Anna and her mother. I sure hope so. Jeffrey. Boring day after boring day puttered by. Life was back to normal where everything sucked. We all thought about the same thing, but never talked about it. Not everybody together. Little groups whispered here and there, but that was it. I didn't participate. Too many bad, scary memories. Then something happened to break the silence. Jessica. Act 10, scene 3. Enter Miss Kelsey. I came up here today to share some news with all of you, she said with a smile on her face. How could she smile at us like that? Didn't she know? James is going to be leaving school. More sad news, I thought. Great. This is wonderful for James. He's been doing so well in school, he now has a chance to join a classroom like yours in the town where he lives. We stayed quiet. I knew I was supposed to be happy for James, but I didn't feel excited about anything right now. I think everyone felt the same way. Miss Kelsey started to look puzzled. She didn't understand our silence, but Mrs. Williams gave her an encouraging nod. The collaborative classroom would like to invite all of you to a surprise going away party for James, Miss Kelsey went on. You've invited us to so much and done so much for us, we decided it was our turn to give you, invite you to something. Plus, James loves you. You guys really made the difference. You're the reason he's improved and gets to move on. We made the difference. I felt good for a second, but then I thought about how none of this would have happened if it weren't for Mr. Terrapt, and I couldn't feel happy about anything, not without my teacher. Jeffrey. Miss Kelsey brought us good news and it fired me up. James is leaving, she said. How is that supposed to be good news? Everybody I ended up liking and I ended up losing. Why did I even bother trying? <sighs> Luke. We made our way down to the collaborative classroom. It was James's surprise going away party. I wanted to be happy for him, but it was so difficult. Terrible slash worrisome news about Mr. Trapped plus happy party, James, equals not happy Luke. Invasive species are organisms that are introduced into a new environment. Since they have no natural predators there, they thrive. They suck up all the resources, leaving nothing for the organisms that were there at first. The native species suffer and die. Going down to the collaborative classroom, I was afraid that our whole class would act as the invasive species, sucking up all the happiness with our sour attitudes. Lucky for us, the antidote was present at the party. The lights clicked on. Surprise, we yelled when James walked in. His face beamed. I automatically smiled too, and then it happened. James walked over to Peter and gave him a hug that shattered, dollar word, his shield. Everyone stopped and watched. 
This was the first time any of us had really looked at Peter since the accident. We had each made the choice to make him invisible, but now we saw him. James finally let go and stepped back. He looked into Peter's eyes. Peter, not your fault. Not your fault, James's voice rose. Peter, now he yelled. Not your fault. Accident. 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 The room was dead quiet, holding its breath. Peter began crying, softly at first, but then he lost it. His entire body shook with each sob. I couldn't be a silent onlooker any longer. I stepped forward. James is right, Peter, I said. It's not all your fault. I told everyone about Mr. Tarrop's early concussions and the bleeding and the looming surgery. Besides, I said, Peter threw the snowball because of me. I cried now, too. Accepting responsibility can make you do that, I guess. I hugged Peter right there on the spot. I walked over and hugged my Elmer's sneakers nemesis. And then our crying classmates hugged us. Thank you, James. Alexia. Like, isn't it weird that Peter called them retards way back when Teach first told us that we were going to work with them? And then it was like one of the retards that helped us save Peter? We're lucky some people are so full of goodness, like Jessica and Anna and Danielle. I was so mean to them, but now they're my friends again. I'm lucky. I was lonely without them. I bet Peter was lonely too, but like none of us did anything about it until James said something. Then I felt bad for Peter. I gave him a hug. He didn't deserve to be all alone. It feels good being nice. I like it better than being the old Lexi. I hope Teach gets to see how he helps me. Jeffrey. Things happen for a reason. Jessica told me that. I didn't hate Peter. Even if I wasn't smiling on the outside, he'd had me laughing on the inside a lot. He just liked to have fun, and the good fun went real bad on that day in the snow. That's all. It wasn't all his fault. James told us that. James had more courage, more good heart in him than any of us smart kids. I don't know if James's words alone would have been enough, but then cool man Luke came to the rescue. Not just Peter's rescue, but all of our rescues. We needed to talk. Thanks to James and Luke, we started to. Things happen for a reason. I can't find all the reasons. Did everything we did with the collaborative classroom lead us towards this moment? Is this why it all happened? Why did it have to be Peter? And why did it have to be our teacher in a coma? Was it so that I could learn that life isn't fair sometimes? Because I learned that a long time ago with my 